the storms, deals, and territories is the process that each of us go through, and it goes in that order as well. Uh, that's, that's what happens to each of us anytime we decide to be more serious about Jesus Christ in our personal life. Every time you get more serious, um, we experience in that order storms, deals, and then territories. I'm going to unpack it in just a few moments, but that's what's taking place. If you ever hit a point in your life, and some of you might be there right now, where you say, I, the, the level of closeness that the Lord and I have, we've had that same level for years and I'm done with it. I want to be closer to God. And the Bible says this, if you draw close to me, I'm going to draw close to you. So if at any point a person says, I want to have a better relationship with God, it's been the same for years, I want to have a better relationship, the very first thing that happens is storms come. Then the very next thing is that there's a deal that takes place, and then there's a territory issue. Uh, if at any point you think about your home and you say, the atmosphere in my home is not the kind of atmosphere that I want to have. I want to have a, a godly atmosphere, a rich atmosphere. And, and if at any point you decide, Lord, you and I are going to change the atmosphere of my home right away storms, then there's going to be deals, and then there's going to be a territory issue. If the place of your work, if you, if you just hate going to work because it's the atmosphere, it's the atmosphere of the place. If you decide, Lord, you and I, I, I want what's in me to pour out of me in a very cool way. I don't want to get fired over this, but I want what's in me to be in the atmosphere of my workplace storms, deals, territories right away. Anytime there's a dry place where a person is dry and they say, I'm done with this, storms, deals, territories. Dry people are interesting, aren't they? They're so much fun, um, uh, kind of, in a, in a weird way. Um, have you ever had a waiter that has a real dry personality? They just come up, what do you want? What do you want to drink? Uh, you ladies who go get your hair done, um, if the beautician's like, all right, put your head back. Put your head back. Oh, boy. Get, get, give me your fingernail. Give me your fingernail. Give me your fingernail. It, it's just it, dry personalities are just not fun people to be around. Uh, spiritually dry homes, they're, they're not good. I mean, the Bible says this that in Matthew chapter 12, verse 43, that devils go to dry places. Devils go to dry places. It's, it's, the, the, it's very important to keep our, our hearts fresh and new. Uh, it's very important to keep uh, a passion for God in me uh, and in yourself as well. Jesus said this. He goes, this water that I give is an everlasting fountain on the inside of you. And, and because he said this water... That means that there's another type of drink. There, there's another option other than Jesus Christ. There's, there are other options. But he says, this, this water that I give you will give you everlasting life. It'll be like a fountain of joy on the inside of you. So there are other options. And, and for those of us that say, I want what you have inside of me, I don't quite understand it. I don't quite comprehend it, but I want more of you straight away 
We have these, these sequential um, uh, things take place, storms, deals, and territories. Let's read real quickly. These are three things that happen, three attacks on a person who wants to influence their own life or other people's life uh, that we're going to read about. Mark chapter 4, verse 35. As evening came, Jesus said to the disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. Now, I've been to this lake uh, they're actually referring to the Sea of Galilee. And I just want to tell you, it's, there's a reason why sometimes they call it a sea and sometimes they call it a lake. They call it a lake because it's not salt water. They call it a sea because it's huge. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of like Lake Michigan. Anyone here ever been to Lake Michigan? It messes with your brain because it doesn't look like a lake. It looks like a beach, right? It's so huge. It's the same thing here. So they took Jesus in the boat. And started out, leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. But soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat, and it began to fill with water. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. I love the New Living Translation. On a cushion. The disciples woke him up shouting, Teacher! Don't you care that we're gonna, going to drown? When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind, and he said to the waves, Silence, be still. Suddenly the wind stopped, and there was, uh, I'm sorry, there, the, and there was a great calm. So here Jesus, let me see if I can give you the, the picture here. He's talking in front of a, thousands of people. There was a multitude of people. And all of a sudden, in his wisdom and his divinity, he realizes that there is a guy by himself in a cemetery, completely demon-possessed. He's got a multitude of people here, and he decides he's going to leave the multitude for one person. And he gets into a boat with disciples and goes to the other side to help this guy. You know, it's very interesting because we can be in a room full of people and feel all alone. Have you ever felt like that? Maybe some of you feel like that this morning. You're in a room full of people, but you feel alone. And it's, it's, it's a very paralyzing feeling. It's a very hollow feeling. Um, and when you feel that, it, it's almost like there's no hope because you can't ever imagine not feeling that way. Well, Jesus knew that this man was feeling that way, and he stopped what he was doing, and he went to the other side. One person is as important as an entire multitude of people. You are just as important as a huge crowd. He knows exactly how you feel, and it's important to him that he will stop whatever he's doing to take care of you and your need. And so he goes across, and now something very interesting happens here. Here he is, he's going to touch somebody's life. He's going to go help them. And in the process of going to help them, point number one, a storm comes. I just want to say, if at any point any of us decide that we are going to pursue God more than we have, if at any point we're going to shift gears, if you've ever driven a stick shift, if at any point you're going to shift gears to accelerate your, uh, your relationship with God, if at any point you say enough is enough, my home is going to change, the minute you start looking in that direction, you can expect a storm to come into your life. 
You can expect something to come rattle you. You can expect something. And storms are interesting because it has a lot of wind. You can't see it. You didn't know it was coming. And you don't know where it's going. I don't know if you've ever had a problem like that. You weren't expecting it. It came out of nowhere. And you don't know when it's going to stop. You're just kind of hanging on right? And and this is what we can expect. See, Satan has been fighting God for thousands and thousands of years. And he knows that when God looks at a person and marks that person, Satan has got to stop that person from getting into their comfort, their, their sweet spot. You hit your sweet spot when you know exactly what your assignment is. And when you hit your sweet spot, hell is in trouble because then you're connecting with God and you're connecting with people. You're connecting with God and you're connecting with people. And Satan has to stop that moment. And it's very interesting because we move in seasons. You'll go into one season and you know exactly what your assignment is. And then that season is over and you'll go into another season of perplexity. You, you don't know what it is. And then all of a sudden you go into, another, you go into the next season and you know exactly what it is. And, and what hell does as you're going into the season where things start clarifying and you begin to understand, it's kind of like when you move from one city to the next. Uh, You were in your sweet spot in one city, and then you get in the next city, and now you're all discombobulated. Or you were in your sweet spot in your 40s, but now that you're in your 50s, you're kind of discombobulated. And I'm talking about spiritually. You're not quite sure what your assignment is. But the minute you start pressing God, the minute you start identifying an area that you can affect, a person that you can touch, the minute you identify it, You can expect a storm. I just want to say to you ladies, typically ladies pray better um, or more passionately. I can't say better because you can't pray wrong. But typically, you ladies pray more passionately than men. Typically. Um, uh, Not always. um, But you you have this emotional gene to you. I know you find that as a surprise. Um, but, but you have this emotional gene to you where you can kind of um, connect emotionally. And some of you ladies, you back up and you say, I want my marriage to change. And you'll go into your room when nobody is home and you'll pray passionately. Or you'll decide, I'm tired of my son or my daughter being wayward or prodigal. I'm going to start praying passionately. The minute your eyes or the minute your attention goes in that direction, you can expect a storm. If you're uh, a gentleman in this room and you've always been kind of relaxed about your relationship with God and then this thought crosses your mind, I'm not going to be relaxed about it anymore. In my own way, I'm going to be passionate about it. I'm not going to be like my wife because I'm not wired up like her. But the way I'm wired up, I'm going to be passionate about God. The minute you decide that, you can expect a storm. So here Jesus, which is no different, he's going in the direction to go help this guy, and a storm comes. We have to understand that we can't stop when a storm comes. Some of you in this room, hell could recognize God's hand on your life when you were just a child, and he tried to kill you. 
Raise your hand if you were almost killed as a child. Raise your hand real high. Look at that. Raise it real high so people can look across the room. Look at all those hands. Satan comes to kill, steal, and destroy. He tries to kill us. He tries to take us out of the picture. He tries to distract us. He tries to give us a handicap, a physical handicap to slow us down. And sometimes it's a financial handicap. Sometimes it's a social handicap. Sometimes it's a relational handicap where your marriage isn't as good as other people's marriage and all your attention goes on that and it slows us down. It's called a storm. Storms are unfortunate situations that you did nothing to bring them upon yourself. That's what a storm is. But I want to encourage us to keep moving and to stay focused. Hell gets so frustrated when you keep your eyes locked on God, when you keep your eyes locked on your assignment, and when you go into those seasons where you're not sure what your assignment is, and you just stay locked on God, and you say, Lord, I want you to help me see the assignment, hell gets incredibly nervous. There's a particular guy that I used to work with, my wife and I used to work with at Lakewood Church with Pastor Joel. Um, his name was Romero Garcia. Um, as a baby, he had no inner eardrums. And um, he, he went through an abundance of surgeries. The doctors kept on telling his parents, it's not going to change. It's not going to change. They kept on praying. They kept on believing God. And it's very interesting because that is a storm. When it's a physical storm, you feel like it's never going to end. Uh, I want to show you um, a clip on, on what his story unfolded like. Check this out. This happened in 2012. It was really tough, man, to be honest with you. I wasn't born uh, normal. I came out a bit different. I came out with, with no ears. I had nothing on my left ear. And, and on the right, I just had like an earlobe. Doctors gave my parents the worst news. Your son's not going to be able to hear. He's not going to be able to speak. You know, he's going to be mute. At age four, I started to have surgeries. They actually had to create an ear canal. Through there, they were able to discover that I had like an eardrum and that there would be possibilities that I would be able to hear. Wow. I remember every year having to go back for another surgery and for another surgery. It was pretty intense. It would be surprising to some that have known you forever yeah. to hear about this audition, really, right? Yeah, yeah, not, tell, not tell many me. people know about that. Luckily, through time and through faith, uh, I have a voice to speak with, even a, a voice to sing. So. Oh, I can't uh, wait to hear you sing. That's great. That's great. Nice. Okay. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me he's seeing in another level different to this world is quite different you know? yeah i understand it's it's a big deal for us yeah i can imagine yeah. i see my chains are gone i've been set free my god my savior has ransomed me and like a flood, his mercy reigns, unending love, amazing grace. Nice. Glad you sang that verse. You know what? I, I like what I'm hearing. I like your insides. Thank you. As well, man. Thank you. 
Well, let's hope he's got a ticket when he comes out there. <laughs> well, I know he's the best for me. <laughs> Good. You're a power of example, to say the least. Yeah. And you can sing, so I'm happy with you. Mm -hmm. So you say yes? I say yes. What do you say, Randy? I love what you said, that I'm used to being the underdog, because I'm hopeful, man. I'm just hopeful. Yeah, sure. You know what I'm yeah. saying? I guess we're taking a leap of faith with you today. It's all right. You can get emotional. It's okay. Don't you worry about it. Don't you love when you see a person survive their storm? You know, if you're taking notes, write this down. Storms have an expiration date on them. Storms have an expiration date on them. Some of the expiration dates are two weeks. It's going to be the longest two weeks of your life. Sometimes it's two years. Sometimes it's three years. Sometimes it's ten years. Storms can be long. Storms can be short. Storms can be hard. But at the end of the day, I want to encourage you. Greater is he who is in you than he that is in the world. You keep focusing. You keep focusing. The only reason why that storm is there is because hell sees something about you that scares hell. Satan is scared. That's why the storm is there. It's not there for no reason at all. The second thing that happens after a storm takes place is if you can outlast the storm. I like how Margaret Thatcher said it. She goes, some battles you have to fight more than once. Uh, but if you can outlast a storm, if you can survive a storm, then the second thing that takes place begins to happen. And that's when a deal begins to happen spiritually. Where hell tries, Satan tries to get us to compromise in a very significant area. Um, when Jesus showed up, he said that he wanted the storm to be still. He caused the waves and the, the wind to stop. He gets out of the boat and he walks onto the land. And all of a sudden, this demon-possessed man comes running up to, the, up to Jesus and begins to worship him. Now, anytime somebody begins to worship, the grip of Satan begins to loosen. It begins to shake and it begins to loosen. It doesn't matter where you are or what you're doing, if you begin to worship, Worship, hell's grip begins to shake. And the only thing that he's thinking is, please stop. Uh, has anyone here ever ridden the Texas Cyclone? Uh, I, I hate the Texas Cyclone. I don't even know if it's open anymore. But it was the largest wooden um, roller coaster in the United States of America for a little while. And I hated that thing. And, and every once in a while, someone would talk me into it. And it would just jerk me around and snap my head around and jerk me around and shake me around. And spit was going. And, and that you could see the pictures afterwards. That You know how they take pictures of you. This is what your face looked like. It's like, oh, thank you. And my face is like... <laughs> and, and, and it's just the only thing you're thinking is just stop this thing. Just stop it. Just stop. And, and when you're worshiping, it, that's what hell is saying. Just stop. It's, it's shaking on her. Just stop. And now for those of us, and I just want to talk to the men again. For those of us that 
You're worshiping with your whole heart. But on the outside, it doesn't look like you're worshiping, but you know you are. I want to let you know, you don't have to worship like this person or like that person or like that person. You just got to worship. And all hell is wanting you to do is just stop. And so then uh, this demon speaks out of this man and begins to make a deal with Jesus. And it says, uh, let, let me read it to you. It's in uh, Mark chapter 5. Verses 6 and 7, when Jesus was still some distance away, the man saw him, ran to meet him, and bowed low before him. With a shriek, he screamed, why are you interfering with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? In the name of God, I beg you, don't torture me. So he's, now he's negotiating. Don't punish me too bad. Don't throw me to the pits of hell. Uh, I know I'm in trouble. I know you're not happy with me, but now there's a negotiation taking place. And I just want to say that if you can get through a storm and continue to worship, and that's the key because a lot of times when storms come, people stop worshiping. I can't tell you how often I talk to somebody in the lobby and I go, hey, it's been a long time. Where you been? And they say, oh, man, you... I've been through it. I have been through it, Pastor. It's been a tough season. And I always think in the back of my mind, this tough season that you're telling me about, why weren't you here worshiping your heart out? This season that was six months, it, it could have been six weeks. It, it could have been six days. It could have been six hours. You're, you're worshiping the king of the universe. The, he's the one that balances the moon on nothing. This is the king of the world. He tells the ocean when to stop. He tells wind where to go. He tells the sun when to come up. What, why do we stop worshiping just because a storm is there? And so once, if you keep on worshiping, and you keep on, if, and again, you're talking about being connected to God and, and fulfilling your assignment. If you keep doing that, you keep on connecting to people, telling people about the Lord and, and worshiping. When you get through it, now hell wants to negotiate with you and you'll feel this. I have some poker chips here. Um, uh, there's a particular show on ESPN that I watch. Um, it's called All of Them. Um, but <laughs> some of you will get that on the way home, but uh, there, there's a show, uh, it's called Texas Hold'em, and um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a poker uh, show, and it shows these guys around the table, and they're holding their cards, and there's this little camera to where they can pull up their cards, and, and we as the viewer can see the cards that they're holding, and, and what's great for people like me that don't understand poker is they show the percentage uh, of their chances of winning that particular hand. And so it's always interesting to me because there's always somebody that has like a 94% chance of winning. And it's so interesting because they'll take their stack of chips, they'll do something fascinating. They won't take their stack of chips and go, man, I've got a royal flush or, or, or a straight and go. They don't do that. Uh, what they do is they try to lure everybody around the table out to get them to put more chips in the pot. 
And so they'll lure them out. They'll kind of pull them out. I wish I had the right word for this, but they, they, they just kind of, the guy that has a 90% chance of winning, he just kind of puts out a few chips at a time. He, he kind of pulls them out. And, and these guys, they don't even realize that he's pulling them out. He's pulling them out. He's, he's just putting one out there. And then sometimes he'll stare at his cars and go, ah, oh, man, I don't know. I don't know. This is all a game. This is all a game, right? He knows exactly. He wants to put the whole stack out there. He wants it. He, he's got to play the game, right? He's just, oh, I don't know. Oh, okay. And he's luring them out. He's pulling them out. And people are putting in their chips. And he's, hey, everybody, you see my face? Hey, everybody, you see my face? This face right here? This means I'm nervous. And these guys are, oh, man, that guy's really nervous. I better put some more chips in. And it's a game. It's a game, right? He's pulling them out. He's pulling them out. And, and I just want you to know that any time you get through your storm, hell does the same thing. He starts playing the game and tries to try to start luring you out. Just make a compromise here. I, I didn't want you to come to church, but if you're going to come to church, just don't worship. He tries to get you to compromise and pull you out. I, I, I didn't want you to come to church, but just don't bring anyone else with you. Uh, see, some people come to church and the only thing they're missing is a bag of popcorn. <laughs> right? Because it's a spectator sport for them. It's just... And, and that's okay. I, I, hell didn't want you to come to church, but just, just don't worship. And it lures... It's, this right here is, is I'm trying to get you to compromise. I'm trying to get you to compromise just a little bit at a time. The demon told Jesus, I know you're going to cast me out, but don't torture me. Don't torture me. I'm going to try to get you to compromise. I'm going to try to lure you out. Slowly but surely, I'm going to try to lure you out. And I just want to let you know that once you get through the storm, now hell, since it didn't get you to quit, now he's trying to get you to compromise. Just a little bit at a time. Just a little bit at a time. You know, th this is what's taking place here. I was reading a book recently. Uh, actually, uh, just a little piece of it. Um, I'm looking forward to reading the rest of it. It's called The Shortness of Life. Um, you ought to get your hands on it if you, if you like to read. Um, the, the whole premise of the book is that Americans have, uh, is, is time poor. America is time poor. In other words, everybody doesn't have enough time. Uh, think about yourself this morning. When you woke up this morning, you were thinking, do I have time to eat? Do I have time for coffee? Yeah, I'm going to make time for coffee, but God, God will be disappointed in me. So you, you make time for coffee, you make time to eat. And then you're like, if you have a family, you're like, are you guys ready? Are you guys ready? We're going to be late. We're going to be late. Are you guys ready? And if you're single, you're thinking to yourself, man, I got to get out of here. I'm running late. I'm running late. You get in the car, you're driving down the street. Come on, get out of the way. Get out of the way. Get out of the way. Come on, come on, come on. You're in a rush. Why? Because you're short on time. You're short on time. You walk through the building, you hear the music playing, and you're thinking, oh, geez, they're already in the slow songs. Let's hurry up and get in there. <laughs> Come on, let's hurry up and get in there. We're running late. So you go run in and you sit down, and then they start singing two more slow songs than what you thought, and they're like, oh, geez, come on. <laughs> you want to hurry up and get in, and now it's like, geez, hurry up and be done. It's like, man, the announcement video's taking forever. I wish the preacher would hurry up and get up here, my goodness. And then I get up here and I'm like, my gosh, how long are you going to talk? 
right? So then you sit here, and then you're going to leave, and it's like, I just want to get out and get to the car. Just get me out of this building. Then you get in your car. It's like, well, you guys get out of my way. I'm trying to get out of the parking lot. Short on time. I'm just starving. Oh, my gosh, I'm starving. I just got to get to the restaurant. Please move out of the way. Please, please, please move out of the way. You get to Luby's, and like, oh, my gosh, did everybody that went to church come to the same place? Jeez, this is the longest line ever. Come on, hurry up. What are you doing? It's the same menu for the last 50 years. <laughs> they go to our church. Be nice. They go to our church. <laughs> they finally get through the line. You're like, oh my goodness, finally our food is here. Jeez, come on. All right, I'm done. Are you guys done? Are you guys done? Are you guys done? Let's get out of here, man. I'm ready to go home. I just got to go home and take a nap. Jeez. <laughs> You just got to get home. You're short on time. Let's hurry up and get home. You get home, you take a nap, you wake up, and you're like, oh, oh, man, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, man, let's eat some dinner. I'm starving. Come on, what are you? Come on here, let's eat some dinner. I'm starving. Let's eat some dinner. And then it's like, I got to get up early in the morning. I got to go to bed. 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 Now you're rushing to go to bed. And then you go to sleep, then the alarm goes off, you're rushing to get up. Then you're rushing to get in the car. You got to rush down the highway. Everywhere we go, we are time poor. None of us. And what are we rushing towards? And I was reading this book, and you know what it said? It said that Americans actually make more and work less than it was in 1960. So in 1960, in order to make the amount of money that people are making now, they have to work triple the amount. To, to, for it to equate. So you actually don't have to work 40 hours in order for it to equate to 120 hours. So we can work less and make more. So theoretically, we should have more time. Yeah. But what do we do? Oh, since we can work less and make more, how much more can we make if we continue to work the same amount of time? How many of you remember that article that came out that said, when the internet comes out, everybody is going to be able to work 10-hour weeks? Do you guys remember that? Yeah. Raise your hand if you remember that. Yeah. Well, that was a joke. <laughs> We're time poor. You know, it's interesting because our time, putting our attention on God, this is where deals start taking place. Deals start taking place. Deals start taking place. Just give me your time. Give me your time. You know, as I was reading this book, you know what? What, what sucks our time is fear. It was fear. We got to keep working, keep working, keep working, keep working, keep working, keep working, keep working. Why? At the bottom of it, because we're afraid of what will happen if we stop. And then as I continue to read, it's really a fascinating book. It says this, that... There is an anticipation that there is a time in the future where we will get rest if we can continue to work hard right now. But that time in the future never comes. Somebody asked me recently, um, uh, how many vacations do I take? I said, well, I'm, I'm getting better at it. I said, the first five years of the church, I took none. Zero. I didn't miss a Sunday. Maybe I missed three in five years, right? Didn't miss any. And I said, you know, when I look back, the reason why I didn't miss any Sundays is because I was afraid. I was afraid that any momentum that we had, any excitement we had, that if I missed a Sunday, that maybe we would lose momentum. So I didn't miss any. And I said, now that I look back, 
I was overestimating my role and underestimating God's role. Let me move on to the third point. It's interesting because uh, after he, he saw the man uh, and he began to negotiate, hell began to negotiate, um, the, the, this, the demon said something else through the man. He said, please don't throw us out of the territory. At least throw us in those pigs over there. See, what Satan wants is the territory. He wants the territory. He, he, he wants, yes, he wants individual people, but he wants the territory. He wants your house. He wants your, your, your plot of land. He wants your office. He, he wants a city. Have you ever gone into a city and go, man, this feels weird? Have you ever done that? I don't know if you've ever done that. Uh, you go into a, uh, uh, there's a store in the mall. I think it's, um, I hope I don't want to offend anyone, but I walk into Spencer's and I'm like, la, 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 and I got to walk out. <laughs> Are you with me? I'm like, I just feel weird. Raise your hand if, you, if you're with me on that. Right? I don't know what's in there. I don't even know what they sell in Spencer's. It could be ice cream for all I know. But I just walk in, I'm like, la, 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 this feels weird. I got to get out of here. I don't know what's going on in there. I hope I'm not offending anybody. Uh, wouldn't be the first time I get emails on a Monday morning, I can tell you that. <laughs> but but he, wants a, he wants a whole store. He wants a home. Yeah. He, 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 wants a, he, he wants the territory. And why does he want a territory? Because if he loses a grip on a person, he can jump to another person. And that's in the Bible. The, these boys, uh, they were two boys, uh, they were called the sons of Sceva. And the, the demons came out of one person and beat up another person. See, they can jump from one person to the next. I've recently learned that when I do funerals, I need to have a, a conscious mind. Because that demon, may, there may be a demon that didn't need that body anymore. I'm not trying to freak you guys out. I'm just telling you. They, they just jump. And, and so they said, don't throw us out of the territory. At least throw us in those pigs over there. So Jesus said, okay. He cast them out of the, threw them in the pigs. The pigs ran off the cliff and fell into the water and they all died. You know, here's, the, and then that man was free. He, they, they want a territory. But what's so interesting is that Jesus wants that territory too. And you say, well, why did he leave and let the demons stay there then? Great question. Jesus does not work alone. He works with you and he works with me. So the man that was demon-possessed that was freed looked back at Jesus and said, thank you, Jesus, so much. Thank you so much. Satan has been ruining my life and I know he's been enjoying it. I've been in this cemetery by myself. I've been scratching myself. I've been biting myself. I've been hating myself. I've been crying. I haven't held some. Nobody has held me in years. I don't have any family. I don't have any friends. Nobody will come around me. I'm completely broke. He has stolen everything from me. Thank you so much. And he says, I want to follow you. Let me just follow you. Let me be close to you. 
And I don't know about you, but I relate to that. I just, Jesus, I want to be close to you. I, want to, I, just, I, I could just spend the rest of my life just concentrating on trying to be close to Jesus. And Jesus goes, no. No. That's not how I want you to spend your life. This territory is important to me. You and I will spend eternity with each other. Go back to your city and tell everybody. Tell them. Tell them. Tell them. This is your assignment. Go back to the people you live with and tell them about it. And what's so interesting, as soon as he goes back and tells them, if they receive what he says, they are going to go through a storm and then the devil is going to try to negotiate and deal with them and try to get them to compromise. And then they're going to fight for the territory for their home. Everybody has the same sequential battle. And I just want to challenge you. The, the, the war is incredibly simple, but hard to do. <laughs> it's simple, but it's hard to do. You say, this body right here, this person right here, I'm going to worship with my whole heart. And, and, and everything that begins to take your attention, God's assigning you to that. My house, too. Oh, yeah, my house. Oh, and my kids. My kids. Yeah, my kids. We're going to talk about the Lord. We're going to pray. Oh, and I'm going to get to work an hour early, and I'm just going to pray in there before everybody gets there. I'm changing the atmosphere because he wants to work with you and not without you.